This week's episode is sponsored by the Maxmiths of Hackney. Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. From indie films to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them and how to try not to F it up in our very, very humble opinion. Today we are joined by filmmaker extraordinaire Esther Turan. She not only runs a full-service film production company, Movie Bar, with Victoria Trevor, um, which is based in Budapest in Europe, but she's also a director in her own right, uh, making the films BP Underground. And she's a producer of Neil Marshall's latest feature film, The Reckoning. We talk all about that and how you can co-pro with different countries and take advantage of the tax breaks. And we talk about her rise to being a Hollywood producing entrepreneur. Thank you so much for listening and joining us today. Honestly, we ridiculously appreciate it. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a director, producer, and I'm a screenwriter. And my movie, The Dare, is out now in the USA and Canada. So if you have watched it, thank you so much. If you haven't yet, please do. If you're in those countries, please go watch it. And uh, why not give it a lovely review on Amazon? It would mean the world to me. I promise you, it really, really would. Uh, We are doing very well at the moment. There's lots of interviews around the place, especially with Richard Brake, one of our leading uh, stars of the movie. So do check them out. Go onto our Twitter, at The Dare movie and you'll see all the links and you can listen into that and how that movie got made though obviously I bang on about it enough on here I'm also the producer of A Serial Killer's Guide to Life which is out now but and this is really really cool news we are going to be on Sky Premiere from this Thursday May the 7th now you can say oh cool cool you got on Sky Premiere but no 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 for a little micro budget indie film like a serial killer's guide to life to get on a platform like sky premiere and not only that but to be featured in the radio times as pick of the week ahead of once upon a time in hollywood is absolutely breathtaking uh, it means the world to us stan cousins rose done an amazing job and everyone on that film who worked in it should be proud as punch so there you go check out a serial killer's guide to life and the dare why not um last week's episode was with hollywood producer todd garner if you haven't checked that out you're foolish it's so fascinating how he talks about the hollywood system how you can get your projects made and why now is the perfect time for you to go out there and come up with something original because people will listen right now so yeah check out that one with todd garner and also the weeks before about how to distribute your indie film they're all in the show notes they're all there all the links go do them go listen to them there's 162 now yeah um why not so we've got some shout outs this week to some amazing people uh all the lovely people who do retweet and comment i can't shout out you all but some of you you get an extra special shout out this week uh lindsey bennett thompson shout out to you colin gowdy not only is he the uh, editor of star wars rogue one but he's also a really cool guy as well um the shakespeare sisters they have their release of their movie uh, soundtrack to 16 is available now um, they have been on the podcast they have talked to us and you about how you can go out there and make a movie uh, for nothing on their own that is episode 118 just with their pals they made that um, it's so cool it's a really cool little indie film it's a feel good coming of age 
uh, film following two anxious teens growing up in London. Uh, it's nostalgic, it's honest, and um, above all, relatable. Dom Lemoir, my fellow host on the Make Your Film event, an occasional podcast guest as well, uh, is also involved in producing that movie. So do check that out if you can. It is called A Soundtrack to 16, and it's made by the Shakespeare Sisters. Um, also, shout out to Matt and Tori Butler Hart. I mentioned them last week, but I want to give a proper shout out. They're actually doing it now. They're filming their movie in lockdown, just the two of them. How cool is that? They're making a feature right now. Uh, Infinitum, it is called. So do follow that on Twitter. Um, do follow them. Just go to. Uh, it was Fizz and Ginger, but they got to take that down, which is highly annoying. So I think it's Matt, Matt and Tori Butler Hart on Twitter now follow them victor rios shout out to you thank you brother kelly jubilee uh, and uh, christopher taylor shout outs to all you guys thank you so much for your support uh, last couple of weeks so let's get to it shall we this is our latest episode with esther turan female filmmaking producer entrepreneur extraordinaire and movie bar co-owner sit back relax and enjoy Okay, thank you. At least I have something else to do in quarantine, you know, besides know. homeschooling and home teaching. and Yeah, and all that. Because at the moment, it's a little bit frightening, isn't it? I How are you feeling? Obviously, you're in... Are you in Hungary now? I am in Los Angeles. You're in um, Los Angeles. Yes. Okay. I, I split my time in between LA and Hungary, but I let's say I spend two-thirds of my time in Los Angeles. I have been to Hungary. I've been to Budapest a few times. I've shot a few oh. bits and pieces over there. And it's been really interesting when I've been and how they, you know, how they have everything over there and set everything up. It's um, it's a really, really cool system they've got. I really like filming there. I filmed a lot in Bulgaria as well. But yeah, I've, I have been to Budapest. Hmm. Would you recommend to someone uh, a Hungary in terms of shooting over Bulgaria or is it equal? I mean, is it similar experiences or... Uh, very similar experiences. I think, uh, I mean, I've just shot in Bulgaria over the past sort of two and a half years on my movie, The Dare. So we shot that over there and I loved it. I had such a great experience because that was my movie. And I think when I was in them before, when I was acting in them, it was a different experience. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just enjoyed the ethos of of filmmaking in foreign countries. I enjoyed how the mm-hmm. crews were, how they all got on with it and worked really hard. And I really liked that. I respected um, both the countries, actually, Bulgaria and Hungary, for what they deliver. And I still think that now. I still think that you deliver brilliant movies and it's there's great tax rebates, especially in Hungary right now. And I think it's a good place people should go film there. Yeah, uh, obviously, I agree. <laughs> tell, me, tell me more why you would agree to this. I know, but our listeners don't know. Um, well, tell them a little bit about filming in Hungary. Sure. So, as you mentioned, um, our tax refund policy is incredible because I believe it's the highest in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. It's uh, it's like thirty-seven and a half. Thirty-seven and a half. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which is which is incredible. For you folks in the UK, it's first of all, it's really close. Um, it's only a two-hour flight, and any given European city can easily be recreated in Budapest, which is such a huge huge um, advantage. Uh, our architecture and history is so eclectic that mm-hmm. you know from, from from any movie that takes place in the cold war era to 19th century classicism in vienna and paris it's all there 
and yes. Berlin and anything could be easily uh, recreated. So this is this is one thing. Um, the other thing is the very high quality of production, uh, building sets, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really really high quality, but uh, you know relatively cost effective. Yeah. Um, so all the facilities, all the studios, all the water tanks, all the backlots that we had, and the tax refund system together, and the cost effectiveness, plus you know the the, the, the possibility of easily creating any European city, I think this is a very strong combo altogether. So that's why it's highly recommended to to come and shoot in Budapest now. My recent movie, which is called The Reckoning, and I'm sure we're going to touch that topic, yeah. which was a, a, a um, British and um, American production, and I happen to be one of the producers, that was 16th century England. Yeah. And we have we have two medieval backlots. So, I mean, in one of the backlots, I do feel as if I have like a membership or something, because I do shoot there so often. Um <laughs> Yes. I think I, I think I shot in this backlot um, six or seven times already. So I really know, like, even though we sometimes, you know, we obviously modify the backlots and we redesign and we add parts and we rebuild certain parts. But I have a very personal relationship with the bridge there because it costed so much money that I sort of feel that as if I'd have a bridge in a medieval backlot mm -hmm. in a way. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I go there very often. So, um, yeah, so we have this amazing medieval, medieval backlot. And it was, for instance, um, you know, a very smooth thing not to create 16th century England from scratch, but recreating it in an existing backlot. Yes. I mean, you've got, I mean, basically you, you run Movie Bar um, with Victoria Trepper Um which is obviously, I suppose, a service company out there and using the, uh, the back lots you have. You know, you've got incredible uh, studio space there. You've got a Wild West set up. You've got an old mill. You've got the dungeon, the medieval uh, places you, you mentioned there, the exteriors. And then you've got the Brooklyn Street as well. So you've got your New York Street. And I imagine you've got loads of others as well. And um, yeah, it must. how did you first start setting? How did you become involved? With uh, Movie Bar, how did you set it up from the beginning? Was this your idea? So, just um, a, a little uh, a correction, because I like I like to think more of us um, not only as a service production company, but as a film production company, because we also have our original contents. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I'm in Los Angeles because I do develop, you know, um, my own ideas, um, and I do I do have, and I'm involved in so many productions, also as a producer, not only as a service producer. Um, so yeah, so we are a, a, a production company. We were established in Budapest, Hungary in 2004, and I was just freshly out of film school. So I don't know how I, I was brave enough to open my own production company, <laughs> but I was. Um, and I teamed up with another female producer partner, which, which is back then, you know, it was pre-Me Too movement, pre everything so it, mm -hmm. it's you know we felt that we, we want to have this girl pa girl power thing sure. um <laughs> uh, so i majored actually in in uh, directing when i was in film school and i always um 
describe myself as a creative producer because I'm very involved in the creative methods of any project that is on our plate. Um, First, we concentrated on uh, major, and not that major, but on television commercials. So we sort of conquered, in a way, that world. And from local productions, within a year, we found ourselves in regional and international productions. Um, And we got to know so many amazing people because the film world is relatively small. Um, so, so many people who, who are major players in the TV commercial world in terms of filmmakers, they also do so many television and feature film work. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a small world and, and in a way anyone, everyone knows everyone. And um, gaining, uh, you know, uh, quite success as a production company internationally in the world of TV commercials in 2013, I had a a sort of like a, um, I wouldn't say crisis, but I just, you know, I I, um, I sort of wanted uh, deeper meanings and I sort of had enough of TV commercials a little bit. And I opened and I convinced my producer partner to open a television and film division. And Mm. that's, that's how it happened. And, um, we obviously, um, started to offer service to international productions. Uh, and also we started to create our own things. We invest in certain projects. We pre-finance certain projects. Um, we co-produce certain projects. Um, we, you know, we are just very busy and we are <clears throat> always searching for contents that are meaningful to us. It's so lovely to hear that. It's so nice to hear that you set out to do this and you're achieving it massively. And I think that's, you know, it's a testament to you, but it's also pretty incredible. You know, you've made over what 500 commercials there and I think it's now 30 film and TV projects so far. You know, that's it's considering you've only, you know, it's not been that long since you started and, uh, and the fact that you, you know, you did go through a bit of a crisis with this. I think it's incredible. I think it's really Thank incredible. You. you should be very proud. I think it's lovely. And I think everyone should go check out movie bar and they should check out hungry. I think it's, I do think it's a great place for filmmakers to go. Um, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not a secret that uh, Hungary and Budapest is one of the most popular filming destinations, not only in Europe, but in the world. But um, my goal is, and our mission is um, not only to attract, uh, you know, major studio movies. I mean, you know, you're, you are European just like me or, mm-hmm. yeah. But but in, the, in this continent, in the United States, it's either a studio movie or an independent movie. So my goal is also to attract indie filmmakers um, that even if you have only, let's say, 5 million as a budget or 10 million, mm-hmm. you, can, you can create magic because basically we specialize in giving you more. So a movie that we shoot could look so much more expensive, but we mm-hmm. can create, you know, really spectacular sets and everything could look so much more expensive. Yes, totally agree with that. 
Uh, I, I think that every time I've worked in those places, everything always looks more expensive than it was shot for. And I think that's uh, a big achievement. I think it's, it's, it's definitely worth looking at. What about projects that are a little bit lower in budget? Because we have a lot of indie filmmakers in the UK or people who are starting out and they go, well, I might be able to raise a certain amount of money. And actually, you've got a Wild West set there and I want to go shoot my movie there. Oh. But what happens if someone's got a, a, a little bit, less money is it still something that you look at is that do you is it just budgets of high end or are you actually looking at budgets that are, that are lower so basically um we 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 are filmmakers and you know there are so many incredible filmmakers or stories um whom we would be interested in just because of who that person is or what the story is about. I'm giving you an example, and now that I'm talking to you from the UK, maybe it's also an even more relevant uh, mm-hmm. example. <clears throat> One of um, our first projects that was UK involvement in it, it was the indie director, uh, Peter Strickland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you know his yeah, name. So. Cool. He, he approached us um, with a horror anthology called The Field Guide to Evil. Yeah. Um, it's eight directors from all over the world with eight incredible stories that are all horror stories, but based on folk tales. And I'm not a huge horror fan. However, you know, it's, it, it's very ironic because um, I think I'm, yeah, I, I, for a reason, um, horror movies are, you know, finding me nowadays very often. But anyways, uh, but, 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 you know, with, with, with this Peter Strickland project, I just did feel that there is, you know, um, something really meaningful. Um, and it's not <clears throat> just another horror movie. It's a horror movie that combines folk stories from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And we can show the similarities in the subconsciousness of so many nations. And I just thought that it's incredible. So it was, you know, pretty low budget, but we managed to produce it. And, and, and we invested in, in, in that sequence of the wow. anthology. And it's an incredible piece. And we opened uh, uh, in, in the prestigious South by Southwest Festival two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, also for me as a newcomer in the States, because I moved to L.A. and I opened Movie Bar's office two years ago, it was such a great coincidence that here I am in Hollywood. And the first thing that I'm doing is going to South by Southwest with one of my movies, which it's opened so there. Cool. So, so cool. It was as if it was orchestrated, but it was not. (laughs) (laughs) Because you started out as a a casting director, right? I mean, you certainly did some casting before you moved into producing. Was that something you thought about doing for a while? Was that your way in? It's so interesting that you ask this question because it doesn't come up that often nowadays. So um, I I was into acting, just like you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in high school, I I, I trained hard. I lied about my age to a famous acting studio in Budapest. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, my aunt is, um, why would you know? But my aunt is one of the most known actresses of my country. She was in every Hungarian movie in the 60s and 70s. She's, you know, she's quite an iconic figure so and my dad is a playwright so first of all you know I kind of grew into that bohemian Mm. um, world and it's so funny because our family parties when I was a child it was all about theater and film and people from the industry Um, but then um, I just realized that acting is not for me because especially in Hungary I did feel that actresses are not treated 
uh, uh, in, a, in, a, in a fair way. Mm-hmm. It's too much dependency. And I even back then I was, you know, kind of willing to want control without knowing it. Uh, but anyway, so I left acting and um, then I found, you know, uh, interest in directing. And that's why I went to film school. Um, and as a film student, um, as a freshman, one of my professors asked me if I want to participate in an American shoot. And I said, of course, that of it course, was Dostoevsky's yeah. Crime and Punishment. Oh, and, the main, main, and the main star was Ben Kingsley. Yep. And I happened to be his assistant, which, which was amazing. I mean, his, 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 I mean, even just to watch him, how he prepares for the roles. And mm. I mean, I, I don't need to tell you that because you, you, you probably know what I mean. Like, I just learned so much from being on that set and, you know, uh, being close to Ben Kingsley. Um, and in film school as a student, I, I, you know, I became assistant and production assistant and AD and then since I spoke English, so being a casting director kind of like found me. It's not that I wanted to be a casting director. <laughs> I know what you mean, yeah. These jobs find you, don't they, sometimes? Exactly. And having, you know, the background in acting and knowing, you know, a lot about how to get a performance out of an actor and, and how to help an actor. And I was really young, so... Um, it, it's kind of bizarre that me being 22 or 23 did the casting for entire foreign productions for the local roles. You know, I had a lot on my shoulders, like the entire Hungarian uh, acting community, you know, was sort of like, uh, um, you know, in front of me. And um, I did a, a five or six major movies as a casting director and a lot of commercials. Yeah, you did. But, well, Den of Lions was a, you know, it's a, it's a big movie. Stephen Dorff, Bob Hoskins, uh, Ian Hart, you know, some brilliant English actors in there. Laura Fraser as well. You know, that's, you know, that's, that, wow. You know, you were dealing, that's just you casting. So you were in the, you know, you were doing the big time almost straight away, which is fascinating, I suppose. Thank you. But, but I mean, I'm, which is good and bad. I, I'm always eager for challenges. So... Mm. If I feel too, too comfortable in a role or in a position or in a situation, I just have this need to move on. So okay. casting wasn't a challenge for me uh, towards me graduating from film school. It was not challenging enough intellectually. And I just didn't feel like, how can I grow, you know, because mm-hmm. I kind of like reached everything without wanting it in a way like what 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 can you what can you do more in Hungary besides casting major American movies right like yeah that's that's the top so I um became an assistant to a producer for a couple of months Mm -hmm. and I sort of I think you can also learn from negative examples I just I just thought that this is not how I imagine producing yeah. Um, and I also think there was also a generation difference. I was young and, and you know, uh, with, with, with a fresh eye. And yeah. as I said, I, I mean, I'm really proud of that. That You know, obviously filmmaking is a business. And mm-hmm. the more and more I, I spend time in the States, you know, every day something reminds me of that. But I do believe in Europe we are also true filmmakers in a way. Like that's why I became a producer. That's why I became a filmmaker. And it's not all about profit. It's more about the call more about, you know, having your own voice and, and telling the story. And I think with this in my head, 
that that was my philosophy when I when I uh, um, established Movie Bar. That I, I want to do something different. I, I want to have a fresh eye, and I and not I'm not only you know all for profit, but as I said, for meaningful things. And even in the TV commercial world, I always went for creativity, and we won so many awards and. We experienced and we had the budgets because in TV commercials you do have great budgets or at least back then we did have great budgets and we could just, it was like a filming playground for us, you know? Mm. Yeah, that sounds so, I mean, it's even fascinating listening to you talk about it and how excited you sound. What did you learn from that producer when you were assisting that you didn't want to take forward. I think it's really interesting because a lot of our producers who are listening to this podcast, they can sometimes get lost in someone else's world, someone else's producing world. What was it that made you go, I don't want to do work with this person anymore, you know, in terms of the ethos or they weren't striving to make good films like you were? Wow, it's uh, tricky because I obviously want to be politically correct <laughs> and I don't want to hurt okay. anyone. Um, as I said, I think the main difference in between myself and that specific producer or that typecast, because I think it's also typecast, mm -hmm. is being in the industry for the profit and only for the business aspect of it or being here with a filmmaking background and I mean, are you, a, are you a true filmmaker or are you a businessman? And I think that's what I understood. And maybe I could have made, I don't know, 10 times more money in my life. Mm. But this is, this is not, not, my, not, my, not, not necessarily my, my, my only goal. My goal is, are there going to be meaningful products, projects, films after me? Is there, can I make a difference? Can, can with my help something come to life, you know, that's, that's meaningful. I think this is, I mean, should we invest our profit in, in, in something business oriented or should we invest our profit in a, in a short film of an upcoming filmmaker? You know, mm -hmm. like these are the sort of like questions and points that I could name. That's great. No, that's really good. And thank you for answering. It's, it's not an easy question, I imagine, but, uh, yeah, it's very well answered. I think it, it, it shouts volumes that you want to make films that you care about and believe in. And it isn't just about profit. Obviously it's called the film business for a reason and we have to make profits to survive. But at the same time, you want to make films that you believe in. And it sounds that you're exactly that. Um, and obviously we're going to get onto the reckoning very soon, which is clearly Neil Marshall's latest film. And, and for those of you who listen to this podcast regularly, Neil Marshall was on the podcast, uh, and he talks all about, um, making films and he was just about to go make the reckoning when, um, we recorded. So you can listen to that. Uh, it is episode 89 and 90, but I will put links in the show notes. So, and let's, um, obviously, we talk about Movie Bar, and that's great. Again, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so all our producers and filmmakers can see that. But for, for you then, what's it? Um, let's talk about your process as a producer. And for someone like me, for example, who wants to come and make a film, and we go, let's go produce it, let's go get it made over in Hungary, let's go to Budapest and shoot this, what would be the best way to shoot on location what's the best way for us to say this is how we go and do this so i receive obviously anyone is more than welcome to reach out to me uh, mm -hmm. um, through movie bars website um 
So, yeah, so people do approach to us, um, especially now that I'm located in the U.S. I, I'm trying to create sort of like a bridge in between American filmmakers and especially American indie filmmakers and, and us and other people in Europe, because even though we are located in Hungary, it's very important that we have sort of like sister companies in so many other countries and we co-produce so many things. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been involved in a massive, in the biggest Austrian and German TV series two years ago. It's called Maximilian. Yeah. It's a, it's a three episode periodical drama um, about the first Habsburg emperor, which was, you know, really a, a huge budget compared to Europe. So we did that. Um, we also work so frequently with Scandinavia, especially with Sweden, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Swedish cinema, by the way, and Swedish television. And I, I'm so fortunate that for a reason, from an early stage, I just really clicked with Swedish filmmakers and, and we've done and we collaborate and, you know, co-produce and, and, and just did so many things with Sweden. Um, one of my projects was with the creators of the Breach TV series. If oh, you, if wow. You, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, I I co-produced their latest feature film called The Swoon in English, mm. which which premiered um, in 2019 in Stockholm. Um, so sorry about the <laughs> all the all the other details, but yeah. So these people uh, sort of find me, and I find them in a way. And you know, obviously, I have a huge network. So if a project or a producer reaches me. Then first, obviously, I I, uh, I do research and I read whatever material he or she has. Mm -hmm. And if I find any interest or if I think it's manageable or my colleagues think it's manageable in Hungary and with our help or with our sister companies help, then, you know, we start a dialogue. I believe that, you know, filmmaking is, is a long conversation right it's a long dialogue like you you need you need to have what do you need you need to have time mm -hmm. and you need to have patience and <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and then things can happen it's not it's not a fast uh uh process right filmmaking no. is not a it's not a it's not a fast uh, process so you know we start a dialogue and, and and i believe in chemistry and also in in, in you know in collaborations i mean do you find the common voice or you don't? And if, you know, if the chemistry is there and, and, and the story is there, then, then then you start to brainstorm and who can be involved and, and what can we offer. And for instance, we have a huge uh, uh, in-house archive. I don't know if it was clear, but even though I'm located in Los Angeles, uh, my producing partner, Vicky, and our entire crew is located in Budapest, Hungary, and we have a great office, mm -hmm. and um, we have a great location archive and our crew. Um, so, you know, first we start to um, sort of like give uh, um, examples from our archive which resonates with the script or briefs that we receive. Um, if we think that it's you know manageable to shoot the, that specific project in, in Hungary. And then obviously we can help in a way in financing, whether we, you know, channel in some private investors or we can help with loans. Um, we can help with, you know, funds and we can we you know we can help with so many things and um 
you know, if, if it becomes more serious, then, you know, we have some, you know, certain agreements and, and then we just start the pre-production and then, you know, we are ready to shoot. <laughs> I think that's the, yeah, that's the process. Um, in terms of would you expect from the off uh, the production company, say, mine uh to come in with money uh so someone from the england want they've got a project would you already expect them to have um some investors in place is that how it normally works um we've oh. never we've never dealt with a project that doesn't have any money okay. usually we come in as a co-producing partner when it comes to financing or we don't have to finance at all any parts it depends we you know because even though the half of the 37 percent of the tax refund is huge mm. uh, we always offer the pre-financing of the 37 percent which could really help with the cash flow yep um, that means that you don't have to have the hundred percent of your budget so that could yes. that that already could be a huge help. And then if you have, if you don't even have the 70% of the budget that you're supposed to spend in Hungary, then we can help with other solutions. So uh, getting back to your question, we just never dealt with a project that doesn't have any financial beginning or support. Um, but with our local projects, because we also shoot certain things, as I said, we also have our own contents um i started to direct not just to produce a documentary yeah. series um in 2015 and now we are shooting our fourth so for instance that we financed and we found you know the 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 the, the sources for financing ourselves yes how are you finding um thank you for that by the way appreciate that explaining exactly what what someone would expect and also actually before i get to my next question in terms of you have amazing crews there. So if someone from the UK, Europe, America wanted to come and shoot in Hungary, all the crews, you'd be able to line them up easily. You'd be able to get cast, extras, costumes, makeup, all of that's in place already, um, right? In the studio. We have amazing crews. We have amazing facilities. We have amazing uh, um, cast, amazing extras, as you said, backlots, anything. I mean, it's so, you know, yeah. high quality and so... Um, up to date and always um, changing, uh, and always the newest technologies and the newest facilities. So yeah, I mean, it's I don't have any complaints. <laughs> I, I think we are really fortunate. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, so you've not only produce, um, but you do direct, and I think that's really interesting that you you mentioned there about your projects. And you've got one before we come on to the reckoning. Obviously, we talk about BP Underground. This is your electronic music project that you've sort of been uh from what i can see been doing for a while and this is you you're mentioning there you've got another film based on this um coming up do you want to tell us a little bit more about this and how it came about sure so as i said uh for for its good and for and for its bad purposes i just uh if i feel too comfortable in a situation i just search for the next intellectual challenge and a few years ago i just did feel the urge of not only producing things, but actually directing things. Um, mm -hmm. Because when you're a producer, and I love to be a producer, and I am a producer, but you're all, in a way you're, a, you're you're the parent of someone else's baby, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And I just felt like I want to have my own baby. And I mm -hmm. think I reached an age 
um, you know, getting closer to 40 when I do have, in a way, nostalgia for what I've been through as a teenager. And I think it's such a meaningful period. So BP Underground documentary series that I started to create with another female partner. Um, her name is Anna Kotai, and she's my directing partner. And together mm-hmm. we created BP Underground. So it's basically it's a documentary series about certain youth subcultures that that are were very meaningful to us growing up in Hungary. So it's not only about electronic music. That's the third episode. But the first one, believe it or not, but I was very much into. Um, I was this hardcore punk kid when I was. I love uh, it. I love <laughs> it. I can imagine that. I can imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And also, you know, uh, just the similarities because all those subcultures like hardcore punk or the second episode discussed hip hop, those are very um, 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 either UK or American, uh, uh, you know, they, their origin is either from the UK or from the States. They did have major, you know, influences. I mean, you know, not just in Hungary, but all over the world. But what what we wanted to portray is how a subculture like, let's say, punk that really comes from the UK, what kind of effects it did have on Hungarian youth in early 90s um, when we were, you know, kids or late 90s or early 2000s. So, Mm. you know, we, we sort of like portrayed our bands and our venues that were famous and, and what kind of fancies kids were reading and how did they dress and, you know, just uh, sort of like a, a tour guide to someone who, who was in it and someone who was not in it, just to, to have a hint on how it was, you know, being a, a rebellious teenager. Um, I love it. I totally, that's totally my vibe. I used to DJ when I was a, certainly a student all the way up to us about 10 maybe in 30 was when we asked stop maybe just before that but yeah totally into electronic music and that vibe and i think this is really cool and interesting and throwback to your youth and i think i think that's great as filmmakers to do something you're really passionate about and i think that's really important speaking of passions um it is essential during this time this downtime um for you to be able to stay working from home right and stay connected basically i want to tell you about the maximiths it's an apple mac repair shop that is gorgeous, by the way, if you ever had a chance to go there in Hackney that are open during this lockdown. I have been to Paul and the guys there at the uh, Macsmith many, many times to upgrade to my own Mac. Just when I thought it was going really slowly, just when I thought it's too old, I'm going to get rid of it and buy a new one. I went to see Paul and he said, no, 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 we just need a new circuit board or whatever the hell it is or a new screen or whatever it was. I don't know. He fixed it. And it was so much quicker and cheaper than buying a new Mac. And it works brilliantly. They're super quick. They always got my Mac back to me, working better than ever before. And they'll pretty much sort it out for you on the same day. I think with mine, it was uh, a couple of hours. Like I say, they are based in Hackney in East London. Basically, during this lockdown, obviously, it's very, you think, oh, God, I can't go into the shop. But they have got procedures in place so that social distancing guidelines are adhered to and they're disinfecting everything he's assured me uh, that comes in and out of the shop and they're open from 9 30 to 5 30 monday to friday but they'll take your call anytime um so basically they can bring anything back to life and they can transform your old mac with a few tweaks and upgrades into something that'll run like new um so before you give up on your mac because you think it's too old or slow or you're about to bin one that you think you've destroyed 
Give them a call and just have a chat about your options. It is The Maximist. They are brilliant. I highly, highly recommend. So I'm delighted that they are sponsoring this week's episode. Uh, The number is 0207-739-6633 or go to themaxsmiths.com. That's www.themaxsmiths.com. Esther, sorry about that. Right, jump straight back in. (laughs) How did you manage to raise funds was it you know was it your idea in the first place I imagine so being producer and director how did you manage to go right I want to do this how do I raise funds and how do I shoot it so the first was uh, completely self-funded with the help of, of Vicky Trapper my my producing partner so we just mm-hmm. invested as, as an as an experience uh, we sort of like uh, um, you know uh, told the crew that you you know we beg you we gave you so much money now, now and so much work. Please, please, uh, you know, work work for us for less or half price or yes. don't, yeah, don't yeah. take any money for the cause and, and things like that. And, <laughs> Absolutely, and so, please, so, please don't. Yeah. yeah, so we begged and, and it worked and they helped because, you know, we, we don't really ask that many favors. Um, yeah, so the first was totally self-funded. And the second one, uh, because with the first one, uh, we didn't really know what to expect and it as I said, it's it's quite a unique thing because about the legendary 80s, um, uh, uh, you know, quite a few documentation already happened. But about the 90s, no one no one really talked about the 90s in Hungary until now because it's too close, yeah. but already not mm-hmm. that close, if you know I what know I mean. Me. I do, yes. And for us, this, this, these were the meaningful times. Plus, as I said, it's 2000. So uh, we didn't know what kind of uh, expectations uh, uh, are going to happen. And actually, people loved it. And it became sort of like a mission. So for the second episode that portrayed the hip hop, and then we got some fundings from our government because they realized that, wow, these girls are doing some kind of a mission. They are portraying youth subcultures and no one ever did that before. Mm. Um, and then we gained, you know, attention with that and, and we, we won a prize. We won this, you know, huge um, award in Hungary for creative achievement, which Super. was quite nice. Yeah, and then, congrats. And the, thanks. And then the third one, which you mentioned, which was about, it, it's it's a recent one. It was about the electronic music Mm-hmm. scene which is again like what is it it's like 20 different genres right yeah but um yeah raves and parties and and techno and for that we received money from telecom because they have a festival which is called electronic uh, beats which is a huge festival all over europe uh obviously right. it's for the electronic music scene and we found them and we gave them a presentation about this idea and previously, you know, now you know that in my past I, I worked, uh, we, we produced so many commercials. So I had personal relationship with Telecom because we produced so many TV commercials for them. <laughs> and they kind of yeah. like knew me and they liked me in the past. And we did, you know, high quality stuff together. So they did find, um, a pos- uh, you know, a good opportunity and they just, they just gave us the money. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. 
Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So and now, I love that. I love the way you just and they just gave <laughs> us the money. I love it. I, did you have to fill out? I mean, was it a case of you had to go and pitch and fill out forms and stuff oh, like that? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I, okay. I, good, I, good. I flew back specially for that presentation from LA right. last April, and it was you know it was very serious. It took like two hours to convince them. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, and now it's in every Hungarian household. It's rentable from from their platform. They can hear about whatever happened in I don't know in nine before in that outdoor race in the woods in the outskirts of Budapest. So. so, so cool. Did you manage to find, did you get a load of um, archive footage? Did you get a load of old videos of people raving of that period? And Oh, absolutely. I mean... Especially if, in the 90s, because 90s was the start of video cameras, you know, those home video cameras that were just a bit crap quality, but... Oh, tell was, me about it. Like, <laughs> you don't know how much you suffer during post-production I in bet. the editing like, how do you make it good quality? oh my god i know exactly. and why did they burn in the time codes burn in the time code and a date and you're like oh god how do we get that off <laughs> yeah but you know what it's it's also the beauty of it like we were just like okay this is raw but the entire mm. yeah i mean we didn't want to polish anything because it's just raw and yeah. we also talk about topics that should be discussed like drugs you know and it's mm-hmm. just it's all in the documentaries it's all in the in the episodes like you know everything that even what i'm trying to say is not only the beauty of it but also the the ugly side of everything and the you know the the limitlessness and the and the craziness and the you know everything else not just the euphoria not just the happiness but you know the the other aspects yes yeah the downside to it and there is there is always downsides it sounds like you really enjoyed the whole process and directing and I imagine you want to direct more is that correct uh yeah as a matter of fact uh before corona I uh, flew back to Hungary and we started the fourth episode which is going to portray the rock scene wow which is also you know something that's so close to my heart this is this is lovely thank you so much let's talk about the reckoning then and how that sure. came to you how you came on as producers and serve service the production and work with neil and all that let's talk go from the beginning then how did you first hear about the reckoning and neil marshall how did it come to you so there was a german producer um whose name is stefan and he was involved in 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 the pre-production and mm-hmm. he heard about me maybe it's because of my other uh, um UK productions, I believe. Maybe it's because of the Field Guide to Evil that I did with uh, Peter Strickland. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm, I, I'm, you know, sort of certain people in the UK in the film world kind of heard about me. And he and he lives this German producer. He lives in London, so he contacted me from London, and I knew who Neil Marshall is. And I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I have to admit. Uh, so obviously I was, you know, interested, uh, mm-hmm. and I knew, and I knew that Neil Marshall lives in, 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 in Los Angeles. So it, it seemed like a smart move, you know, to be involved because it also helps me with my American plans and American, you know, uh, uh goals. Yes. Um, and I, and I got the script and I, as I said, I'm not necessarily a horror movie fan, but I really like the idea that there's a strong 
female character in the focus. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, as I said earlier, I, I, I'm, I'm really uh, searching for meaningful things and, and, and messages. And, you know, um, I'm especially, uh, even before the Me Too movement, I was always interested in uh, telling female stories and, and, and putting women in focus, which is, you know, uh, um, something that I also like uh, specifically in the reckoning. So we started conversations with the producers. Uh, Stefan introduced me to the other producers. And um, luckily, they found me um, at the end of spring last year. And I always spent the summers in Hungary. So I was a month away from going back to Budapest to spend my summer there. Uh, and we, we arranged a meeting. Uh, a month from when we first started to talk and then we could meet in person and then you know when I meet uh, people uh, in person in Budapest then we we are already prepared so I already you know showed them as I said to you locations and and we started to to, uh, um, you know discuss details and obviously it's always a budget issue and we you know seems like we we, uh, built an attractive budget uh, and the, the the rest is history. And then you know Neil was there, and he he got a room in our office, and I never saw him leaving that room. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Yeah, Neil's Neil's wonderful character. He's really interesting and thoughtful director, and just you know he's made some wonderful films. So, um, that had, I imagine that had, they'd brought in quite a package of money. Would, were you also bringing in some funds as well? From obviously you got the 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 tax rebate over there, the thirty seven percent. Were you also having to find funds there, or were you building sets there? Was that your what you were bringing to the table as a you know movie bar production, if you like? We um, helped uh, with the with the cash flow situation. We helped. Great. The production running, I would say. We managed. It was very important to us to finish that movie and to have that movie. So we put a lot of effort into, you know, just having a smooth production and having, you know, everything um, um, very professional and smooth. And I think we achieved it. I mean, I met Neil and Charlotte, the the lead actress in LA uh, a couple of months ago, and they showed me already, you know, some editing. And, you know, obviously I still have a lot to do with that movie. As a matter of fact, I'm having a a, a conversation tomorrow with with, with the other uh, producers uh, who are on board. Um, Yeah, so it was, you know, a, a, a fantastic experience, great shoot, amazing result. You know, now the only thing is what kind of festivals uh, can we go to? You know, I'm so happy that eventually we we, we, we weren't uh, finished with post-production and that's why we couldn't go to South by Southwest. And now it's such a such a, such a blast because, you know, the, the, that festival is not, I mean, it, you know, it was cancelled. I mean, they mm-hmm. did give the prizes but, or the awards, but, but the, the festival did not happen. So I really hope that we can open in an old-fashioned way. Not, yes. not, not, not the online way or whatever, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I, for instance, I um, we won a an award in LA for our documentary for the electronic music scene a couple of weeks ago in LA. 
Yay. It's called Indepe- International Independent Film Awards, and we, we won the Golden Award or whatever. But it's so funny because all, all of a sudden I received an email with an online award, you know? Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what? You know? And, and then I just realized that the festival was canceled, but they, they're still giving out the, the prizes. And it, it's, it's, still, it's still a good feeling, but you receive something online. So it's sort of like, you don't experience, you don't, you cannot be part of the whole experience. You know, no, you and film cannot- festivals are so much fun. And yeah, being involved in that is, is that whole scene is really great for filmmakers. You meet other filmmakers. It's a, a positive vibe. It definitely is. It's a shame the reckoning didn't get that, you know, or it might do obviously if they all open up again, but yeah, yeah no, no, but that's one thing. We weren't ready, so it's a it's a it's a fortunate thing. So mm-hmm. now I'm really happy that we we weren't ready. We we haven't finished post production, and it's it's a good thing because now, you know, hopefully we can go to Toronto, and hopefully there's gonna be a Toronto Fest Film Festival. Who knows? But let's so. let's hope for the best. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's all ahead. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm positive. Is... Which yeah. is positive because the reckoning is, you know, I'm so excited to see it. You know, you mentioned there Charlotte, Charlotte Kirk. She's the star of it. She also co-wrote it with Neil and uh, Edward Ever Swindle as well. But I think, you know, there's quite a few people I know. So got an amazing cast for Sean Pertwee, Ian White, Stephen Waddington, um, Rick Warden's in there as well, who I know well, um, and Bill Fellows and so many other great people. And I think people are very excited to see Neil Marshall's next movie that isn't hellboy you know what i mean because of all the, <laughs> the 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 situation that happened with hellboy which is you know wonderful to get a studio movie like that but also it's it's never easy um absolutely you don't have artistic freedom. you don't have artistic control as much and i think neil obviously has come straight back to doing something that he can control and that his is his voice and i, and I think a lot of people are very excited to see the reckoning and see neil being back to being neil again you know um I think that's exciting. What do you what tell talk us through the process then of actually shooting it? Um uh, from your angle, how was it for you? Was it an easy shoot? Was there any issues? Did you have to uh, do any solving as a producer? It wasn't what, an easy talk project, us through that. But it was a it was a fun project, if you know what I mean. Like uh, it was difficult because a lot of parties were involved and yeah. you know, the more are involved, uh, the more difficult it could get. Uh we needed to work very hard to make it happen. There were certain difficulties during the shoot that we didn't expect, but we managed it. And I think I think you're gonna, you know, we, we're all right. gonna forget about it eventually because the end result will talk for itself. So, and it's true. What we can you talk about some of the issues that some of our filmmakers can learn from here was there anything that you go actually i can share if you can't share it it's fine but if there's something you can share you go well actually well this um, would have been different okay this is this this is i think it's the the most honest i could be i think shooting a movie with with people it's it's like taking a risk of a relationship or moving in with with someone like it could be the best dating experience but when you live together it, it, it could be different so um you always you, you you're never really mm. gonna know like even though if you have the toughest contracts and the toughest lawyers but at the end of the day what counts is how people behave and how parties behave during during a production and, and you never really know so we had some difficulties because some some financial so- sources just stopped supporting us you know 
and, and, and this is something that you cannot uh, right. um, you cannot uh, uh, see because you cannot uh, predict. You cannot you can never tell because no one is willing to tell you. Oh, hey, I'm going to stop financing your movie. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, but I think. Yeah. I'm lucky that I have enough experience and I'm lucky that I'm not panicking. I think it's important not to panic because you can always solve everything. And I have a wonderful line producer uh, who is such an amazing help. Um, and he's, he's such a calm source. And, you know, everyone, we have a, a fantastic text uh, expert. He's uh, uh, one of the very few who actually helped creating that law in Hungary, you know, for the tax refund system. So he really knows everything about the tax refunds. Um, and for me, this is the most important because at the end of the day, that's one of the most attractive elements why people come to shoot with us. So that has to be 100% smooth, you know what I mean? Just, just. Um, so I, I totally yeah. Do, so basically, yeah. th this is all I can say. You always take a risk. You never really know. Be prepared for the worst because you never really know what's going to happen. But we did it, you know, together because we all believed in near Marshall, not near Marshall, and we all believed in the reckoning. And 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 um, you know, we we just we were. I, I think it's also uh, important sometimes to be more flexible than you're supposed to be. Um, otherwise, you know. Otherwise, you can just, um, you, you might not achieve your goals. So, yeah. So, I think that that's to, sum it, to summing it up. But, but in terms of production, um, Neil is so professional. He really knows what he wants. He's so prepared. Um, um, also, the DP, I don't know if, if, if you guys talked. Yeah, he's he's incredible. Yeah, of course, Looks such you know great cinematographic looks, as I said. Amazing cast. The production designer, he's also very known in England. His name is Ian. Exactly. Uh, he's oh, also fantastic and it was so great yeah, to work okay. with him uh, and you know it's always also a risk how the foreign head of product will get along with their local crews you know yeah how do you go about because that can be tricky because when i you know when i've shot abroad and stuff it it the language barrier can be sometimes a problem you know you ask for a red coat or whatever and you get a pink coat and that can be my fault for not explaining correctly but how how, what's the best way for people to go about that? We're always very keen on providing, you know, English-speaking crew members. So I think 90% of our crew members did speak English. And those who did not, they didn't have to be in direct contact with the, with the foreign crew members. So mm -hmm. I think it was just the smoothest. Um, but it's also, as I said, it's also the chemistry. So um, we, we, yes. again, like you never really know. But I think we were just lucky. Because everyone got along so well with everyone, um, you know. We, I think, the rap party proves it. Because you know, we we all had yes, a good, we all yeah. had a good time. <laughs> ah, that's what it's about. It is because you forget all those little tiny problems, all those little issues that were bugging you, and suddenly you're at the rap party and you go, "Ah, oh, do you know what? It's fine. We all. Have, it's so hard making a movie, you know. Um, you've exactly. got to let those go. You have to. Um, so, can you give us some advice for filmmakers? wanting to go into producing any advice especially for shooting 
you know, somewhere like Hungary, what advice could you give uh, a young English producer, a young American producer, a young producer? Okay, um, my advice would be that, it, first of all, you, you have to believe in, in, in the project and, you know, time is short, so try to pick the project or the project that you really have a soul for, you know, otherwise you don't, don't waste your time, like do something that, that that's really your call. I think this is, this is very important because also if it's very meaningful to you, then I think you can get extra energy to the, to the project. And I, I think it's important. Um, mm -hmm. The other uh, advice that I could give is just be creative. Try to find sometimes solutions for producing that are, unorthodox solutions even or creative solutions like the example that I gave you with my first documentary that we had absolutely no money so you know we, we found creative mm -hmm. solutions we sort of you know had individual deals with, the, with, with, with every single crew member whether it's please work for free or now please do it for half price and we're gonna pay you from our next projects and, and you know just just so many you can yeah. you can be creative I mean, do favors for others and then ask those favors back as a producer or as a, as a, as a, as a junior producer. You try to, I mean, you know, you can, um, for instance, work in a production company as a trainee or work for free for a while and then ask favors from the production company. They might help you. Uh, just, you know, so many things. Network, network, and network. Because what we do, we network, and our network is our power. Who do you know? Um, I really believe in personal connections. Totally. Um, yeah. I, I really think that what matters is um, not necessarily, and it, it could be fortunate and unfortunate, it's not even necessarily the quality of the project that you have. It, it's, it's also sometimes who you know and how well you know that person. So, you know, also when I was younger, I, 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 and I, I, I don't mind admitting it, I did go out a lot and I did go, you know, to the Cannes parties and to the this festival and that festival and I traveled a lot and I, you know, you just go out, you mingle, you socialize, mm. uh, you know, you get to know people because those relationships could, could establish you as a producer. Yes. Uh, yeah, and collaborate, collaborate. Think about what you can bring on the table and offer it and then ask, you know, from the other parties, you know, for favors and what can they bring to the to the table and just find your camp and just find your find your you know, allies, find the people who whom you have chemistry with or you have a lot in common with and, and do projects with them. I never I mean my philosophy is that, as I said, if I don't feel comfortable in a situation or, or you know, in a project, then I just don't do it because why would I, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. That's wonderful. That's some amazing advice there. I might be the best advice in a row that anyone's ever given. Congratulations. That was incredible. Really? Yeah. It was like six or seven. I wrote them all down, maybe eight brilliant bits of advice for for upcoming filmmakers so good thank you thank you very much um and finally um if someone's got uh, a budget which is under a million and they would still like to come and shoot at somewhere like Budapest at the studio there and with you guys is that still possible is that something you would look at I as, as I said, I believe in risk-taking. So if the project or the filmmaker or something is convincing enough, then yes. For instance, um, 
who knows when uh, talents from from the states will will travel again to Europe. But if if it will happen, then I might produce another interestingly another horror anthology mm-hmm. for a friend of mine who is a director writer producer mm-hmm. and just because i'm so i, I can't really i don't want to tell, tell her name sure. yet but just because i'm so fascinated you know by her world and she's sort of like my mentor in hollywood mm-hmm. in a way so even though the budget is super super low budget which is something that we we are you know less doing nowadays but i but i but i was willing to to help her out because i believe in her and i really think that those favors can can also return because what if her next project will be just like her previous project was which was huge mm-hmm. you know so yeah absolutely if i do find interest or if my colleagues find interest in low budget project for a reason then yeah absolutely we might we might be able to help and we, we might want to help especially if you touch a, a, a topic that's close to my heart you know Who amazing knows? <laughs> uh, esther thank you so much i really appreciate your time thank you for talking to us so honestly and openly uh, and imagine you've inspired lots of filmmakers so thank you oh thank you for the brilliant smart clever question you know <laughs> it, 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 it wasn't a, another interview but it was a bit different so uh, that's what we do here the filmmakers podcast well because we're filmmakers you know we, we try and ask the right kind of questions and you know i think it's important so thank you Val. and you know and you know what baramba is in london so yeah you know. there you go i must be cool must be all right <laughs> <laughs> amazing thank you so much and where can people follow if they want to find you online sure so we have a website which is called uh, uh, movie-bar.net we have a facebook page which is uh, you know under the name of movie bar uh, we are on instagram i am on instagram i am on facebook you know yeah uh, is that just uh, your Esther name Esther Turan. Okay, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah so i think people can follow me i'm on facebook people can send me messages People can reach me through Movie Bar. Uh, you know the you know it's the general email address, but my colleagues will, will forward it to me. Yeah. And I'm more than happy to chat. And as I said, I'm, I'm really willing to build a bridge. And more and more, uh, we have a strategy how to uh, be being more known in the UK and how to collaborate more with UK filmmakers as well. Uh, Peter Strickland, Neil Marshall, so wonderful. Uh, um, experiences so i really want to work more you know with with the top uk filmmakers or any uk filmmakers whom we found interesting so yeah i love it please please reach out will do and thanks and everyone will as well so much for the chat my pleasure thanks so much have a lovely time if you can in quarantine and um, (laughs) i hope we're all allowed out soon and i can't wait to see the reckoning cannot wait so congratulations thank you thank you have a wonderful evening Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. So there we have it. That was a fantastic chat with Esther Turan. So if you want to know more, go to movie, as you mentioned, they go to movie-bar.net. All that info is in the show notes. If you want to co-produce 
um, with a studio over in Hungary, um, then do get in touch. The Reckoning will be out soon. Neil Marshall, you can listen to his episode, episode 89 and 90. I'll try and leave a link in the show notes. If not, just type his name and the Filmmakers Podcast into Google and you will you will find it um thank you very much for listening we really appreciate it this has been another wonderful episode of the filmmakers podcast i'll do so myself but that is because we had an amazing guest esther taran and you will rightly agree if you uh, could be so kind as to tweet her and say how much you enjoyed this that would be amazing and uh, do go like and share and subscribe and tell your friends about this podcast because that's what it's about and uh, try uh, very soon to go back out there and make your film but in the meantime you can do everything to go and make your film you can script it you can pre-package it you can talk to Esther at, at movie bar and see if you can co-pro over in Hungary whatever it is you can keep taking steps forward to go make your film because you can make it happen and if you are lucky enough to rise up and do well it is your duty to send the elevator bing <laughs> back down I don't know what I was trying to do there back down until next Tuesday where we'll see you as always take care look after yourselves uh, I've been Giles Olsen uh, until next time bye bye